It might have done us a disservice looking back. I felt, and I still feel, it was a great thing to do for, for us and our, our crew. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. We talk about our favorite records. Talking Records Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Thank you all for listening. You showed up to the right place. Jen and his friends dive deep and analyze the records we have grown to love. We'll tell you how we found the band. Then give you a track by track breakdown of all the songs. So grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat. Today we'll look at another record in its entirety. Hello, what's up everyone? My name is Jed and you're listening to Talking Records, an album deep dive podcast with a singular goal of taking an album and trying to round up everything we can about it. Sometimes we get lucky enough to have the people involved come on the show and tell us about these incredible albums. I'm just a huge fan of music and the stories that go into making the records I love. I'm beyond thrilled to be joined in just a moment by Pilfer's vocalist, Cooley Ranks. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you to follow the Talking Records podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We post frequently and would love for you to join the chatter on favorite records and songs. We also have a website, TalkingRecordsPodcast.com. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by purchasing a t-shirt from our website. It's a win-win situation for everyone. You get a fancy new Talking Records t-shirt, and we get a little help updating our gear and maintaining our website. Plus, everyone around you gets to see you in a spiffy new shirt. You can also support us by spreading the word about our podcast. Do you know anyone who'd be interested in album details and stories? What about that person at work you've been meaning to strike up a conversation with? You can also review us where you listen to podcasts. All these things would be a tremendous help to us. In 1996, I started going to punk and ska shows. Back then, it seemed like there was a show every weekend, and I was able to see so many incredible bands. Back when you could spend six bucks to see six bands, it didn't even really matter who was playing. You just went, and you saw your friends there, and it was just the best time. I caught Thumper and Meal Ticket on one show, and Spring Hill Jack and the Slackers on another. Bands like Mephiscopheles and Skavuvi and the Eptones would roll through town. Big D and the Kids Table, Big Lick, Real Big Fish, and Easy Big Fella played on the same shows with Five Iron Frenzy, Kicked in the Head, and Sergeant Skagnetti. My friends and I hit all of them. One particular night in 1997, we were at a ska show, and this excited buzz circulated around the venue. Cooley Ranks, formerly of the Toasters, had a new band called Pilfers, and they would be playing and had their new album available. I will never forget, as long as I live, that excited feeling that night. I remember it like it was yesterday. Everyone was talking. The album wasn't going to be sold in stores. They were releasing it themselves. Everyone in my group bought the album, some of us before we even heard the band play. When Pilfers took the stage, it was like nothing we had seen before. Trombonist Vinny had incredible lung capacity and took the trombone from being the low end of the horn section to being a force all on its own. Nick's guitar snapped between chunky distortion and sharp ska upstrokes, while James from Skinnerbox laid down the beat. Anna's bass lines were so fun to follow, and on top of that, Cooley delivered rapid-fire lyrics, dropping his voice down to such a low and powerful register. This band was amazing. All of us who were smart enough to grab a copy of their album became obsessed with the band. 
catching them every time they came through town and then excitedly watching as the band's popularity grew. Touring with Real Big Fish gave so many people opportunities to see Pilfers that by the time I arrived for my freshman year of college, even my cowboy hat-wearing roommate knew who they were. Here to tell us more about Pilfer's debut album and the exciting projects he's been working on recently is vocalist Cooley Ranks. I've, I've been told I don't make myself uh, available. You know, <laughs> no, seriously, I've been told I don't put myself out there. So here I am. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So Cooley, welcome to the podcast. Before we dive into the first Pilfer's record, tell me about your first solo album, Days Gone By, which released April 1st. Well, it hasn't properly released yet, you know. It's, um, I released um, the intro of the, the project. I just wanted to get some interest, you know, people to see if anybody was even listening. So I just dropped the, the, the um, intro just to see, you know, to gauge the tide. And it was a really good response. So I'm, I'm happy nice. about that. I'm, hope, I'm happy that people are still listening. The album is a retrospective uh, record, henceforth the name Days Gone By. It's yep. um, retrospective to how I was before I came into Scar. Um, I guess another song, another album would be the evolution of it. But at, the, at present, it's just how you, how I used to be as a, you know as a minor as a, yeah. as a young youth, you know. So it's got like a storytelling component to it. Well, not so much. I mean, there are some stories in there, yeah. but it's really moods and moments in my life that kind of tip the scale. You know, whether it be love, whether it be crime, whether it be political, whatever. You know, there was just moments that just changed how I thought and how I perceived the world. And it's, you know, it's, again, it's a retrospective look. That's cool. Cool way to look back and uh, compare where you were and where you are now. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we don't, we don't look at the achievements and the, and the steps that it's taken for us to get to where we are today. Sure. Sometimes we're just moving so fast that it's just like, oh, I'm here and what do I got to do today? What do I got to do tomorrow to pay these bills? And, you know, before I, I couldn't even imagine paying a bill. Yeah. <laughs> Back in those I mean, days, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm going with this record. Like times in my life that, you know, altered my my path and my course. That's very cool. And I I've heard that you got into ska quite by accident. Totally by accident. Yeah. <laughs> totally by accident. Like it was a dare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you to check this out. This upbeat I, music. I, I, yeah, I, it's like I dare you to do this. I dare you to do it. you said you could do any music. And I was like, Yeah, you know, in Jamaican music there's this there's this phrase where you say any rhythm, right? So we're yeah. we're supposed to be able to sing, chat, whatever on any rhythm, any track. So this was just another one of those dares, any rhythm that I had to uh fulfill. I, I hadn't planned on staying. You know, it was it was just a brief supposed to be a brief encounter with um uh the toasters and then yeah. it came out to be um a lifelong career of doing ska music you know that's awesome yeah i totally neglected all those other elements of myself <laughs> well no one dared you to try <laughs> i know i know i know but what i did i did i still implemented some of my old stuff into um the ska world so you know what i mean so i put i put i put some of those elements in the ska world anyway so but as far as um, tracks wise, totally. Like I have a lot of people hating on me from somewhere, um, somewhere <laughs> far. 
<laughs> well, one of the things I've always appreciated in, in your music is that I can hear the the reggae vibes, I can hear the hard rock vibes, I can hear the ska stuff. You definitely blend a lot of different musical genres in your music. It's the it's the environment that I grew up in and how I was raised too. I mean, you wouldn't even believe that my fondest music was like classical music. I haven't even delved into that aspect of myself yet, which you know is another chapter to be written. But definitely, that album. that still haunts me in, in my ears and my sleep at times. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand for this album, you actually spent some time in Jamaica at Boot Camp Studios. So what was it like being there and working? I mean, let me tell you about Jamaica first. Let me tell you about Jamaica. Sure. I've been going to Jamaica for many years before doing any kind of music. When I finally did bring my music, you know, the stuff that we do here, right? When I finally did bring it to Jamaica... I always go to my godfather's house. I call him my godfather because he's just been my mentor for a very long time since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So, and he returned back to um, Jamaica and set up shop there, has a studio. He's always been a producer, but he set up shop in Jamaica. So I always go down and I go check him. His name is Computer Paul. He owns Bootcamp Studios. So I always go down there. But because I'm not a reggae singer, right? And I'm not doing <laughs> reggae. I'm not really... No, well, I had to really look on the outside. I had to be on the outside. I would see all these great artists come inside the studio and do their mm. songs. And I would sit there longing, longing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but never really saying it, you know? It wasn't my place to say anything because that's not what, you know, that's not my work of the day, right? That's not my order of the day, right? I'm not doing reggae. So all these artists would come by and they would sing and they would just do it. And one time I just, you know what, shit. Let me just bring in some of my stuff here. So I bring, I brought him some of my, you know, reggae rock stuff. And he just started playing keyboards on it. He would do the overdubs on it. And it, mm-hmm. it flourished into something like that. Every time I was doing a song, I would bring it down to Jamaica and he would do the overdubs and, and he'd just make it sound nice. I did another project, which is totally reggae. I'm going to say, for some people, COVID was bad, but it made me stop, you know, and reassess myself and what I'm doing and what I haven't done or what I would like to do. So I went to Jamaica and I did days gone by. I filled all of, filled up all of those um, tracks and, you know, we did some keyboard sounds and all this other stuff there. It's done. It's finished. And in addition to that, I did a, a, a totally separate project, reggae, oh, wow. project, like straight reggae. So two records. <laughs> Be honest, there's more, but I'm only going to talk about the nah. reggae one right now. <laughs> Wow. I'm just saying because COVID, COVID made me sit down, you know? Yeah. I yeah, couldn't yeah. do anything, so I had to just, well, that's you know, great. Right. So we'll talk about the, the reggae one because that's going to come soon, within this mm. year. <laughs> so after I finish this one, the reggae one will come. Amazing. Yeah. Well, you got to work, you know? And, and yeah. again, COVID, COVID made me stop, you know, chasing my tail. You're running around yeah, and it's- doing it. It's good that you kept busy and you used that time productively to like go get it, you know, instead of a lot of people, myself included, who are just kind of like, oh, you know, <laughs> what's tomorrow going to bring? Well, I didn't know what tomorrow was. We, No one knew what tomorrow was going to bring. Right. That's, that was just it. I was like, yeah. damn, I better do something before I die. You know? yeah. <laughs> I said, I better fulfill those things on the bucket list before I die. So yeah. it got done. So, yeah. So anyway, going back to Jamaica took all of the tracks. We would do tracks here in New York, recorded in New York, and then the overdubs would take it down. I would voice it here with the musicians here when we go to a studio, knock it out, boom. Sometimes they wouldn't even know what I'm going to play. Most of the time. They're like, what you got What you got doing today? I'm like, oh, 
I need you to play this. Then it then like, oh, oh, okay. How does that go? <laughs> like, oh, it goes like this. I don't know. There'll be totally spontaneous, you know, works going on. Yeah. I'm not trained. I'm not a trained musician. Everything that I have is just here in my head and in my heart. So I pound out, I pound out um, phrases on a keyboard for a bass line, phrases on the keyboard for a horn line, phrases like that for some kind of sprinkling stuff. Or I just dictate what, what I need to be done. I say, yeah, I need this, da, da, da. and they get it. They understand because they're, they're great musicians. musicians great, so yeah. They understand the language of, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah oh, I know what you mean. You want the, yes, yes. <laughs> so they go forth and they, they do it, you know. That's amazing. And it must be a lot of fun to stand there singing the different parts to those guys. <laughs> Listen, sometimes I feel like a complete idiot. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't, you know, I can't translate yeah. what I want to, what I want to say sometimes, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, it takes a little pulling of teeth and then like, oh, okay. Okay. I know what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've done it, man. I've sung drum parts to people before. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So who are the players on the record? Now, on the record, I use a multitude of musicians, musicians and artists, singers and, and alike. Yeah. But my core, on bass, I have Steve Sketch Capecci. On drums, I have Phil Wattel. On guitar, that kind of varied, but the, I'm going to say the majority is um, Jonathan Yuda. Now, I got to give I got to give credit to other people too because I did demos of these songs a few years ago. So a portion of those songs also made it to the album. So I got to big up FNB for helping me out oh, for that. Nice. But I didn't Matt, use Chris those tracks. Yeah, I didn't use those tracks. I just updated those tracks. So I got to give them their, give them their props. You know, that's Chris, that's Matt Penza, and yeah. that's um, Brian. I went they, to school with those guys. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a small world. Yeah. Infamous Shoeless Joe and exactly. Groove Selector and Fear exactly. Man. Like, the whole journey, man. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's deep. Yeah. I have to give them their props, too, because they helped me out to the core of this. Now, I have so many musicians. I have um, I have um, Gilbert, who plays with the Toasters. I have um, vocals from uh, the Dope Top Dollies. Oh, nice. I have vocals from um, Ali from uh, Stop the Presses. I did. I did have Jimmy from Murphy's Law, but I couldn't fit the part in there. Right, oh, I had him really? on there. I was like, "Ah, oh, come in, Jimmy." And Jimmy came in, and and it was like, "Ah, oh, that's not gonna work." But he he did lend his vocals to it, so I got a big up Jimmy too. Yeah, a bunch of musicians. Who else I had in there? I had um, Kevin Batchelor. I don't know if you know Kevin Batchelor. He's from a band called Grand Concourse. Scott Jazz, the Scatterlights, um, Sugar Minot. He's like this trumpet. He's like a trumpeter. He's like a, he's virtuoso. an amazing. Guy. Yeah, virtuoso. There you go. Thank you. And also a fabulous singer. I didn't have him on the vocals, but yeah, he's a fabulous singer too. There's probably more. There's probably loads more, but oh, I sure. just gotta get to it. Yeah. There's yeah. loads more. I'm excited to hear it. Is there any plans for like a physical release or is it gonna be digital? Well, I'm working on a few things. I'm, i I want to do a DVD, which I know is played out, but I want to do a DVD and the record. So I'm gonna do uh, a record. The record is done, of course. And then I'll have a physical record and a physical DVD of a few things, you know? Give you a little bit more insight on myself. I, I still think I'm a mystic. I don't think people really know me, right? They don't know my background or how I came to be or who I be, you know? So I, I put together a, a little 
mini doc and you know it shot pretty well and i'm editing that now that's why I, you know there's a little bit delays but i'm i'm editing that now and mm-hmm. once that's finished it won't take more than a week or two to be out so i'm, I'm thinking early may may 1st i know i told everybody april the first but i am one man <laughs> it's gonna be a slow I am trickle one man, and i'm trying to navigate this damn internet release stuff yeah. and also put your lyrics on there and it's like how yeah. do I get my lyrics on here? What am I doing here? Oh, it's a lot I... of work, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm on the wrong, I'm on I'm already on the wrong platform, so I got to switch to a few platforms to get this thing correctly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And they won't verify me. They think I'm not who I am, or yeah. I haven't done enough for them to verify me. So I got to keep going. To the... I had to verify myself on Google, trying yeah. to verify myself on Wikipedia. Right. And, you know, it's just like oh, this. Crap. And then it'll all change next week. So it's like. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Well, good luck with all that. I'm very excited to hear the record. Thank you, man. Thank you. Turning to Pilfer's first album now. Yes. Uh, I want to get into that record. Let's get into it. Here we go. After leaving the Toasters, uh, yes. how soon did you get to work on writing material for this first album? Well, I sat, I left in 96. So I sat the entire year of 96 down writing songs. I just, and I lived in a very nice neighborhood, right? Not in the hood. I had moved out of the hood and I was living in a nice neighborhood in Brooklyn. They have a lake at a park, right? So I would walk down with my pad and just write, write songs. So once I wrote the lyrics, then I go back into my apartment because I live by myself. I get I get on my keyboard, which I had there ready, and it, the keyboard you could program bass lines. They would give you beats, you know, like not like it's not a cassette, but that kind of Yamaha <laughs> programming thing, right? So you would get a yeah. beat and you could just play your bass line and pull your stuff on top of it. So I would do that. I did that. I did that for like a year. I hooked up with Vinny. I think in the midst of all of that. Cause his ex girlfriend was a very was was my ex girlfriend, and oh. she called me up. Well, yeah, I just let me just get messy, and uh, she called me up. She's like, "What are you doing now?" I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna start a band." She said, "She said, what you doing?" I said, "I'm gonna be a fucking successful." Anyway, and she goes, "Listen," and she called me back another day. And she's like, "Yo, uh, Vinny said he he'd help you out with your demos, you know, and, uh, but he thinks you can't sing." I was like, "Here we go," <laughs> you know, because when I'm on the stage. I'm just losing it. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not going, I'm not there to sing like I'm in the studio. Right. I'm in there to go ape shit, right? So cool. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> so he's probably seen that side where I'm just rough around the edges. But uh, I sent him a song and he loved how the song sounded. And he's like, yeah, come down. I'll help you out with some of your, your demos. So, all right, cool. So I went down there, played a few of those demos. I went now looking for some musicians to start a band because he, he called me up and he's like, yo, I'm, I'm going to be leaving BIM. I was like, oh, wow. Cool. All right. He says, and, uh, and I'm thinking about moving to New York. I'm in New York. I'm starting a band. I'm like, yeah. what? He's like, yeah. He's like, wait, wait, together. wait. He said, let's put some musicians together. And let's see how it goes. Right. I said, all right. I'm going around. But before, before me even doing that, I was sitting in my house, in my apartment, depressed. Because remember, I just, I, just, I, just lost, I just left the toasters. Yeah. And at that time, they was at the pinnacle. They was at the heights of everything. They yeah. were the band. So I'm sitting in there like, you made a fucking mistake. Call him, beg him, you know, beg yeah. him, tell him you're sorry, and go <laughs> get your job back, right? Let me beg in. You know what I mean? Please! 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I was sitting there and I was like, damn. And then I got a I got a call from Steve, Steve Jackson from the from the Pie Tasters. Yeah. He goes, he goes, yo, man, I heard you you um you left the toasters. I was like, yeah. I said, I don't know, the, I don't know what I'm gonna do. He said, man, start a fucking band. Start a band. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. So I'm running around trying to get all these musicians. This is before Vinny. And I'm spending money on rehearsal and paying these guys, right? Paying these guys just to come and play for me. And it was draining my damn pockets, man. <laughs> draining me. And then Steve was like, I said, yo, Steve, man, I don't think I could do this band shit, man. He says, why? I said, man, it's costing me a lot of money, man. I'm paying these dudes. He's like, you paying them? He said, what's wrong with you? I said, you know, you, know, you got, said, no, man. He said, you coolie ranks. He's like, you coolie ranks. <laughs> you don't pay them for shit. What are you yeah. paying them for that? I was like, oh, well, the hell I know, right? Yeah, he's you pumping know, you up. Know, right? I didn't know. So anyway, so after that, I started, you know, I started actively looking. And that's when I got that call from the ex and, and him hooking me up with Vinny. After that, okay, I said, I fired all those other guys who I was working with. It was just, was not good. <laughs> and then we got, we started, you know, we started searching, actively searching for, for people who are in the scene or, or of the scene, not mm -hmm. just people, you know, just random musicians. Right. Dude told me, yeah, man, I played ska, got him on the drums, he was playing me some whack-ass shit. I was like, what the <laughs> f*** is this? I was like, come on, dude, man, that's not ska. That's not yeah. ska. He's like, but he was happy for the money, you know? The oh, sure. <laughs> he was yeah. happy for me paying him and shit. I'll play whatever you want, man. <laughs> Anything you want, you know. What you, you want, Scott? Boop, 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 I get yeah. this, Scott. It's <laughs> like that. Yeah, Scott's that. <laughs> you know, Scott's an intricate music to play, man. If you can't just jump on the on the on the drums and say you play Scott. I mean, as you know, that's true. Yeah, you yeah. just don't jump on there and say, "Yeah, I could do this." No, no. Mm -mm. It's very intricate. As simple as you see people playing in the Scott, man, it's very intricate music. Mm -hmm. Especially the different vi the variations of it too, you know. You gotta respect a drummer that can play it. So you took those demos to Vinny. Vinny, you guys worked together to put together the band. Um, yeah. Was Vinny always the only horn player? Did you guys check into other horn players? Oh or? my god! I had to do the dirty job of firing people. No, oh, no. <laughs> we had a we had a full horn section. Oh really? Oh wow. Yeah, man, had a full horn section, and they were great. Well, I thought you know. Yeah, what happened? Like, man, Vinny did not want a horn section around him. He says, man, we don't need them, man. I could do this all on my own. <laughs> Granted. He's he not can. wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> so they had to go. Yeah. They had to go. Sadly, they had to go. I'm trying to imagine a full horn section. You know, one of the things about Pilfers that's really signature is just that one blasting trombone, you know? So yeah. it's kind of interesting that. Yeah, you should, you should see. I mean, you, you already know, Vinny is a beast. I mean, if not for Vinny, there's a lot of the sounds in the scar right now that would not be prevalent. And he, does, he doesn't get enough credit, but he's the guy, he's the signature guy that did those sounds. You know, I mean, all these bands, all these trombonists, and I don't care who you are, you're imitating Vinny. And if you're not saying it, you should. Yeah. You should give him his props. Yeah, he was great. I've seen yeah. him many times. I love the way he just leans over the crowd with that thing. <laughs> it's just like, 
Maybe you're online. There's a, there's a time, right? In my days, right? Where I came from. I'm going to talk about my days. We had humility to throw it back. Mm. See what I mean? We had respect for those that came before us. You know, the Rankin Rogers, the, the, the Neville Staples, all the people that came before us, the, the Jerry Dammers. You know, there's people that came here that paved the way that we could do what we do. You know what I mean? As yeah. we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have that career if not for the, the people that came before us. So definitely, that's that's why I say they gotta give some homage to men like that. You had released the Rude by Association demo tape. Yeah, uh, where was that recorded? And oh, man, are there any homework. of those floating around? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I I wouldn't know where to find any of those. Actually, yeah. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. I do I do have a cassette. What I have. Like uh, not an original edition. I have mm. one that was repressed, repressed, repressed till it till the um label was white. No, no. <laughs> because originally it had colors on it, you know. So yeah. I got one now. I think I have someone in my box. Right, I know I have one in my box that's mm. that is just like a reprint of a reprint of a reprint of a reprint. Yeah. Of a reprint. yeah. But those, that's that's what made us um get our first CD. Those demos that we did, we recorded it in Vinny's basement. Vinny had a rehearsal space. Yeah, when he moved to New York, he had a rehearsal space on um, Ludlow Street. We would go over there and just uh, rehearse and write music. Eventually, you set up at Tin Pan Alley Studios in New York. Uh, Were you feeling any Beastie Boys vibes in there? To be honest, (laughs) I'm a novice, right? I didn't know that's where they they recorded from. Uh, I hear Tin Pan. Vinny Vinny got the studio. Mm-hmm. And we went in the studio. I don't even. I might have known that that's what that was their studio. But I didn't know at the time, honestly. Again, I'm so I'm so out of things and into things at the same time. Like I'm into music, but not into producers or knowing knowing about producers mm-hmm. or knowing about the studio or anything like that. That's not really my my thing. I'm like, if it can record me, I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the yeah. basic stuff. The basic stuff. Like the engineer's good. Yeah, cool. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. How much it costs? How much, how much it costs? Yeah. Go for it. Let's go. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like simple shit. When you record, how do you guys like to do it? Did you record like live or did you do the instruments piece by piece or how did that all work out? Well, normally, normally it's done um, drum, bass, guitar. And the guitarist, Nick, he'll probably do a scratch, a scratch guitar and then do it again by himself. But I think back then we didn't have that luxury. No. <laughs> no, I think back then we did it all live, like Nick, Anna, and James rhythm section playing, and I think I sang along with them while I was going. <laughs> we didn't have that luxury. I mean, we later on we developed the this you know the stages where they can do it, you know, drum and bass do it, and then the guitar player will do it later on, and then I'll come in later on, and then things like that. More than not, they know the song so well that I don't have to be there. Oh, that's good. I was going to ask you if you hang around during that time when they're laying down those those I, instrument I, tracks. I do just because it, I do, but I don't have to. Yeah. And once you see, because James James is like the the musical director. Mm-hmm. Once you see James in there, you don't have to worry because he's going to be like, yo, 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 that don't go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then I can see them knock out one track and I can leave. I mean, I'm not I'm not really that guy. I'm really hands on, but I can leave. Yeah. I could go sit somewhere and sleep. You can trust it to other people. I'm generally pretty tired. I'm going to go through. (laughs) Like the journey Mm -hmm. to make it was was fabulous. 
as I said, we sold cassettes. Mm-hmm. We sold T-shirts. We, I mean, physically, I, I got a boost from my friend. He owns a record label. And it's the same record label that Jay-Z put out his, well, his, his brother owns it. So it's the same space. Jay-Z put out his first record in the same place where I was um, hand-making those cassettes to sell. Oh, wow. So behind me is Jay-Z and, and all of his crew back there, right? And I'm mm-hmm. in this little room with a um, what's a DAT tape machine and a cassette <laughs> machine. And I'm transferring from the DAT to the cassettes. Wow. And Jay-Z's making his, his debut record over there. I'm like, dang. <laughs> this was kind of cool, you know? It's kind of cool. cool. So wow. we took those and we sold them. And we had half of the money, including gig money. We had half mm-hmm. of the money raised to make the record. And then a gentleman by the name of John Batista, he lives in um, New Jersey, Jersey Shore. And we, we would play there because I know, I know we just played it a lot of times with the Tosis. So I, w- I would play at his venue with, with Pilfers. And he was like, when are you going to put out your record? I said, yo, you know, we, we got half of the money right now. We're almost there. Mm. He says, yeah, how, how much you need? I said, I think we need like $2,000. He says, oh, I'll give it to you. Oh, wow. I said, word? He said, yeah, just, just give it back to me. I said, oh, I will. I will. So said, so done. He gave us a two gram. He wow. finished the record. He bust the ass that year because we would do like 245 shows a year. We got that money back, gave it to him, man. And I and I tell you, I thank you, John. Wherever you are, John, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. He owned he owned a venue, catch, and a restaurant, the Marlin, Jersey mm-hmm. Shore. Anyone feel God there? Shout him out. All right, Cooley, let's dive into these songs a little bit. Dr. Kevorkian explores two sides to a controversial topic. So how did that song come about? Just just like how you're saying it. I was like, I was watching the news and I'm like, wow, I don't know what to think about this guy. I mean, what do, what do, what do I say? I'm, I mean, in, in one hand, he's putting your, fa- your parents, he's helping your parents transition. Sure, yeah. Because they're suffering. On the other hand, if you want to go by the legal book and the legal term, he's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm like, how do I feel about this guy? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, would I want that for myself? I don't know. It's like, that's, that's a question. Yeah. I, I leave that to the people to decide what, what they think about that. You know? There's so many topics out there that it's like, it's hard sometimes to choose a side because you can kind of see both sides, the pros and cons. And look, it's at, like look, really look hard. what happened yesterday. Will Smith smacked. Um, yeah, that's right. Now, what do you think about that? I mean, if if I was listen, n- not political. Yeah. If I was on the street and someone disrespected my wife, I'm slapping the shit out of him. Yeah. But <laughs> but you're a public figure, you're a public figure in front of millions of people, representing the culture and the finest of the finest. Because he's the finest of the finest right now of, of the actors. He's like the A-lister. Yeah. So he goes up there and takes it back to West Philly. Not so good PR campaign. Right, yeah. How do you separate? How, I mean, he said it. You know, you stayed all this time in Hollywood and you got to smile when people disrespect you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there comes to a point. There's a point where how much you can take, you know? Yeah. And he was laughing at first, but then he looked at the pain in his wife's eye. That was enough to turn a man around and say, yo, that shit's not funny. 
Yeah. You know, you could take it as a joke and like, ha ha. But then you look at the pain in your wife's eye. You got to You got to handle that. So that's the same controversy. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Like controversy. Yeah. What kinds of things inspire your songwriting? You have a song about the Japanese mafia on here. So you're talking about going down to that pond. Like what, like where do you draw your inspiration from? I was going out with a Japanese girl at the time. Oh, no. <laughs> so you're drawn from everywhere yeah man everyone's everyone's there's no limitation <laughs> no one's no one is spared so i was going out with this japanese girl and um very smart and you know was telling me about her culture i'm trying to learn her culture you know it's, it's always an exchange when you meet someone different from out outside of your world you know yeah so she was telling me about her culture and, and she was telling me about the yakuza and i was like oh what's that you know yeah. She said, oh, you know, no, no. And she starts telling me about the culture. And she would always, you know, she would also teach me a little bit of Japanese as well, you know, we're exchanging, you know, our, in our conversations, in our exchanges. I just, I just took to that one. I took Yakuza and brought them to New York City. So they are from Japan, but the scenery is set in New York. And one of the places is Central Park. So mm-hmm. I put Central Park in there where you see there's a there's a statue of Alice in Wonderland. If you if you ever if you ever go to Central Park, you'll see Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I put it around some of those meetings um at Alice in Wonderland and Chinatown in, in China. <laughs> That's cool. I don't know. It just came that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I don't know how it came, it just came that way. Yeah, and it works. That's it works. fun. I always like to dig into songs because, you know, sometimes, and I rarely ask people what a song is about because it's fun to just make your, your own interpretations and your own meanings. But I'm always interested in where artists, like where they get their inspiration from, you know, it could come at any moment. It was also a film in my head. You know, I always have these, when I, when I write music, it's, it's always seems like it's a film or a soundtrack, right? To something. Oh, that's cool. So I can see this guy, this old, this old guy in Chinatown, and he needed money for something with his family. And he borrowed this money from the Yakuza and it wasn't in a timely manner in which he was paying it back. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to do him something. They, they gave him a few warnings. They put that, that rose in front of his house, like a dead rose, you know? <laughs> Yo, dude, the next, the next time it's gonna be for your coffin, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just like played around with, with, with things and, and saw things and I was like, yeah, that's it right there. That's the song. Yeah. I love the Devo cover. Whose idea was it to cover Devo? Yeah, you. <laughs> because awesome. and they, I love that you picked kind of like a like a deep cut. Yeah, you know? exactly. You see, I was thinking about that today. You know, as far as you know, what all these 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 nowadays ska bands do. You know, it's so mm. easy for them to rise and sing a song that has already been created, right? Mm-hmm. So they just they sing a popular song and then they're like the shit. You know, they're like V band, right? But for you to for you to construct and create like a song, I'm not even talking about the Devo cover. That's like talking about in general of people just using 
known hits to be then to be sucked. If it's if it's done just for like admiration, you know, one off and you know, as opposed to directing your entire career just doing covers. Right. You're just a cover band. That that's that's all you are. You're really just a cover band. So that's your lane, right? That's mm-hmm. that's who you are. That's what people know you for. Cool, cool, cool. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I never saw myself as a, a cover band or a cover singer. So I yeah. try not to do so many songs that are so, you know, well known. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't want to sing everybody's song. That's their song. I mean, leave it alone. That's their <laughs> masterpiece. You know what I mean? Yeah. They did it already. They did it. Been That's done, theirs. Yeah. You know? Unless you can so, add something new to it, you know, I guess. Add something new. I did, I did one, I did a cover song for Bob Marley. It was a, it was a specialty, um, a specialty act, a spe- specialized project down mm-hmm. in England, right? So, and it was a favorite Bob Marley song and I was happy to actually do it because I don't really do covers, as I said. Mm-hmm. But I sang it totally, not like Bob. I chatted in the song. You know, I just did it that, I did it if it were as if it were my song, that, mm-hmm. I, was, that I was just recording my song. And you know what, the most of the people that heard it, it's like, yo, that's the best song you wrote. <laughs> I'm like, that's not my song. <laughs> my Thank you, not my song. You know what I mean? That's not my song. Yeah. But again, it didn't sound like Bob Marley. Yeah. You know, it didn't sound like a cover song. It sounded like my own. Yeah. And I like cover songs, but I really, I like it when a band will do it totally different. Yeah, you like, interpret it. You yeah, interpret yeah, yeah, yeah. You want an interpretation of that guy. You don't want to just, oh, right. here he goes. You know, come on. Yeah. It's, it's whack. Because if I'm going to listen to a Bob Marley song, I'm going to listen to Bob Marley. You know, exactly. Like, if someone's going to do it just like Bob Marley, then I'd rather hear the original. But if someone exactly. takes like a, you know, does like a, I don't know, like a like a punk version of a, you know Bob Marley song. I'll, I'll exactly. Do it. That see, that's the, that's that's what I like. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm I can't speak for the world, but the interpretation mm-hmm. of a of a famous song that's cool. But when you're just doing it all over again, yeah, you know, for note and yeah, it's so easy. There's no creativity in that for me. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Nice. I'd like to know how the show no fear skit came about. <laughs> Where's Johnny? What have you done with him? Johnny is no longer. No longer? What do you mean? Leave. I'm not leaving without Johnny. As you wish. I went. I I went to um my friend. Her name. That's not Anna, by the way. Her name is the girl's name is uh, Jerrica. She used oh. to. Be, well, she is now. She's in another band right now, and I'm gonna. It's gonna come to me after. I'll get off this. She's in a band right now with the former um, lead singer of uh, Meth. Jerrica is a really smart person. She's an engineer, key, keyboardist. She's, she's brilliant. She's just like a smart, smart girl. Mm-hmm. So I went to her studio. I wanted these guys to do skits. None of these guys, oh, they didn't see the value of it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. it, it had no value for them, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm coming from I'm coming from the hip hop and dancehall world. You understand? So we yeah. do all of that stuff. We do the skits and stuff like that. So the band had no inkling or any any kind of desire to do any skits with me. And shit. Sure. So I go to Jericho. I said, Jack, I need I need a skit. I need to do this skit. <laughs> and she's like, what? So I'm like, all right. And I just do this fake Boris Karloff type shit that I was doing in there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, try to make it into something. And, and she did the, ah! And yeah. she did the sweet Johnny. She did all of that, <laughs> you know? I said, yo, do this and do that. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to Jerrica. 
Yeah, yeah that's so funny. Yeah. I always love that. It just kind of like comes out of nowhere, and then it's just a perfect intro to that song. So. <laughs> Moving on to Shit's Up in the Air. I just think that that is an incredible song. Not only does it show off your vocal range, but from basically from the guitar solo through to the end, it's just like my favorite. Those are my favorite moments on the whole album. Just hair on the back of your neck raising, you know, the way you get that low note and the trombone is just blaring. I'm like, this is the Pilfers. Yeah, it's it's definitely a signature song, man. It's a it's a closer. Yeah. Now the, the funny thing is, we used to start off with that song too, and then oh, we really? realized, oh, this yeah, we realized, oh, this is kind of this is kind of an amp song, you know, definitely a. a a song to play last. Now, don't play this first. Mm-hmm. But we used to play it. We used to play it first, and it was better first because we were getting to, the people were getting to know who we were. Mm-hmm. So once they once we brought them in with that song, we could go ahead and do all the rest of the songs now, and it was it was responsive to us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That song, that song is a is a time when I was breaking up with my girlfriend. Mm. I, I was breaking up with my girlfriend just as I was starting Pilfers. While I was writing it, penning it, and everything, she um, she had enough of my bullshit, you know. Like, <laughs> what am I gonna say? She just had enough of me. She was like, "Ah, fuck you now." You know, I was I was very unstable. Mm-hmm. You know, not mentally. I just mean unstable. Period. Oh yeah, well, of course. Breakups are are not easy, and I can definitely connect this song with like roller coaster and all climbing. in the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, climbing. Funny enough, man. Climbing, shit's up in the air, happened. Mm-hmm. Roller coaster happened. Climbing was a mixture of fantasy and reality. Mm. Like some aspects was, you know, most of it was just fantasy, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, I love that song. I uh, I remember when I, I dubbed the CD onto a tape one time, I put... Shit's up in the air last because I was like, I got to hear that last. It's such a good, I love one this day. What I'm saying? Yeah, this yeah. is what I'm saying. Once you get to notice on, you want that to be the last. Yeah. All right, you know, you know, boom. <laughs> it's a great way to go out. Mankind's transgressions against mankind have been horrendous and they escalate with time. Manipulating truth. So the song Generation, I, I feel mm-hmm. like, it's such a such a great song. It you know it's still so true today. You know, mm. learning from the generation previous, like mm. how to not make the same mistakes. We're looking at we you know wars happening it. in places. We still do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like you know that you always hear that history repeats itself, and it just keeps happening, dude. It's just like you know, yeah. it's like I wrote the song yesterday. Yeah. Like why in 
2022, we have one country trying to invade another country. It's like, did you not learn from years of history that invading other countries is just... It's not cool. I mean, they're really starting... This is this is World War Three without them even labeling it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. So frustrating. I mean, they won't, they won't say it because they don't want to say it, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's what's going on. Every country is 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 on rash, Russia right now. Mm-hmm. It is it is World War Three. You 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 may you may find interest in the next song that I write. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm releasing as I said. I was going to release. I'm releasing a song on um April the first with a video. That one has some meaning too. I wrote Sometimes it a while ago. Happening. Yeah, I wrote it a while ago. But again, as I said, you know, it always falls into place when it's supposed to come out come out when it's supposed to i write songs and i'm, I'm terrified sometimes what i speak mm. because it's like a prophecy and i'm like god damn it man mm. yeah whether it be a love ballad or a reality song i generally walk into what i sing so i, I i'm very um i'm very cautious what i say you know and sometimes like when i when i was in jamaica and i was recording i sang this one song and it had me shaking in my bones. I had to walk out of the studio three times. Wow. You know, I couldn't sing it. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was shaking, like, and I'd, I'd go towards the mic, and I'm like, I'll be right back. And, you know, I really can't mm. tell him, my godfather is a really rough dude when you're in Jamaica, and we rough <laughs> when you sing, you know, you're rough. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not easy singing in Jamaica, people. No. <laughs> that shit that you do here in America. Yeah, I'll be right back. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Yeah, I'll go. Oh, do that take again? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me sing that again. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, you got that? Cool, cool, cool. It's not that. No. <laughs> it's not that. It's not, oh, yeah, yeah, just auto-tune that shit right there. Oh, just fix up already. It's not that. When you're in Jamaica, you got to sing that shit absolutely correct. Like, your lines got to be correct. Your it's melody, genuine. your harmony, it's got to be, you got to sing that shit. It's like, it's not no, oh, I'm going to fix that part for you. Yeah, no way. Nope. Nope. None of that bullshit, man. It's, I mean, I I would honestly love to spend at least six months in a studio in Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, that'd be <laughs> amazing. Like, when when you said, you heard, <clears throat> excuse me, you got the name, is Boot Camp? Yeah. That's it, it's Boot Camp, brother. It is like you got, <laughs> not just myself, you know, it's not just myself that gets that tongue lashing. Big artists go in there and they get that tongue lashing too because he's not having it. Yeah, you're gonna every, you're gonna step up. It. Yes, every listen, I'm telling you, ask anybody that's going in that studio, man. <laughs> You'll get him in there, and it's no joke. Yeah, it's no joke, no. So when you when you hear the reggae record, I sang it. I sang all that. He didn't fix anything. So you'll hear all those harmonies stacked. Ooh, oh man, Ooh. that's awesome. Well, yeah. So Ooh. the result is you get a really great album because he, he pushed yes. you to make a great yeah. album <laughs> yeah and you get a great performance you know yeah. there's not no doctor in the vocals and something like i said i would like to spend like six months but you know my wife wouldn't let me do that <laughs> but i'd like to <laughs> you gotta come home i gotta go i'd like to spend like six months because the, the training that he gives me mm-hmm. and he makes sure i hit those notes with you know not even a a little bit below is like it's got to be on pitch yeah great yeah i'm sure you pick up a lot of good lessons I do, man, but you know, I just don't come home and and do the same thing. <laughs> Fall into bad habits. Right back, right back to crap. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My last song question is: I want to know how come Kawaii didn't make the album. Finny, not really. <laughs> he didn't like it. I'm just gonna tell you straight: he didn't like it. Oh, 
I'm telling you. Again, you see, <clears throat> that was my Japanese girlfriend, Kawaii. And they spelt it wrong. They spelt it wrong on the release because we gave it to Moon Records. And yeah. it's, um, they spelt it with two eyes, and it's supposed to be one eye. Uh, but, yeah, I heard uh, that on a comp, and I was like, this is a great song. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I didn't think Vinny wanted me to do too much love songs. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, all yeah, right. It's like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never that love business. Yeah, it's going to get through it. He was he was just out of a relationship, so he mm. probably was like, ah. Yeah, okay, I get it, I get that. <laughs> Not feeling in the loving mood. Yeah, to hear that every day on tour. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> so I want to get into why you guys decided to self-release the album. Can you tell me a little bit about that decision and how that worked? I I, I wanted to make it more exclusive. I wanted to I wanted it to be just for. The crew, the Pilfers crew. I didn't want um, some company snatching it up and then taking all this money from us. We sold it off our webpage from the stage to the webpage. That's how it was sold. Mm-hmm. It was exclusive for those who wanted it and those who knew. And that's who got it. It might have done us a disservice looking back. I felt, and I still feel, it was a great thing to do for, for us and our our crew. You yeah. know, those people that wanted it. And, and it made it more desirable, too. Because they couldn't get it. And they was like, yo, how do I get it? Mm-hmm. I had people, you know, from different countries. Send me two boxes. Send me da-da-da. Yeah. Da-da-da. Yeah. So we just did that, you know. It was ours. Well, I remember. I don't know if you remember this. You guys came up to play Pearl Street Nightclub in Northampton. Ooh. And I remember the the whispers going around the club where you guys had this album and you are only selling it <laughs> at your shows. And I remember we all walked out with copies of the record because we were like, well, we're not going to be able to get it anywhere else. So we bought it that night. And it, like, whatever you were doing, it totally worked. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I just felt, I felt it was, it was something, we needed some exclusivity yeah. to this, you know? It had to be something special because I thought what we were doing was special. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is, this, is, this is special what we're doing right now. This is historic. Those who are part of this is a part of this, you know? Those are not, they're just not. Yeah. Oh, I missed I missed the train. Yeah, you missed the train. These guys, you know, they know us. They know who we are. Mm-hmm. It was it was very surprising too. Sometimes we would go to some places and they knew all the songs. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, yo. Well, that's when you know oh. people are really into it because like they had to get it somehow. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. I mean, there's something to be said for like getting your record on a label and getting it out to millions and millions of people. But there's also something to be said for, you know, here's something that we created and here, here it is for people who really, really want it. Exactly. Exactly. Because then it's not popcorn. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, a lot of um, artists now. I'm not a hater. I just don't see the value in a lot of music that's being made. That's Mm -hmm. just me. I want, I want, I would like something of substance. It's like I want to eat organic. I want to eat organic food. I don't want um, disposable food. I don't want that fast fast food. I like food when it's prepared. Mm. It's it's, so quality know. over quantity. Yeah. And so doing it all yourself, um, I heard you guys had a little bit of trouble getting the art finished. Yes. 
I did. How do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> I have my ways of finding things. It wasn't so much trouble, right? It wasn't trouble. It was just, you know what happened? In Midriff, we had to switch um, graphic designers. Ah. Now, I, I don't remember exactly why, but I know like he, he couldn't do something. And I think I was bothering him. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, guy. Damn, Cooley. It was Chris Chris from the Citizens started it off. Mm-hmm. And he came very far with it. But I think there was other things that I wanted designed in it that weren't correct. Because remember, when you're dealing with graphics and all of these 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 things, and you're trying to get it um, to be a, a J card, you have to deal with the record company or whoever is producing it, and it has to be exactly right to their specifications. Mm-hmm. So Chris took it as far as he took it, and then I got Ray Martinez. Another, this is all New York guys. Um, mm-hmm. Chris was um, his his, um, his name is Coconut, and he played for the New York Citizens. He's a graphic designer. He did an amazing job. And then I got Ray Martinez to finish it. I mean, I don't know how you know that story, but um, yeah, it, <laughs> it happened. Yeah, I'm good. You're like that guy that does the um, the hip hop questions and shit. Guan, Guan up, was it? Was it? Yeah, <laughs> nice. Dude. Yeah, I do my research. You know, you definitely did. How did you get that? <laughs> Where is that in in the in the, in the manuals of life? Where is that? Where's that information? You search every fiber of the internet for. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Wow, I never even told that story. I don't think. I don't think that somebody's talking. Yeah, someone said it. I heard that you guys added the one one ninety eight. 12, 12, 39. Oh, yeah, dude. yeah, exactly. We changed it. Yeah. Because it, now it was 98. I think we had it for 97. Oh, yeah. Because we released, we was going to release it at the end of 97, but we actually released it January the 1st. Or did we release it a little early? I'm not even remember, but definitely January 1st is, is the date that sticks to mind. Yeah, it's funny. Some websites list it in 97, other websites list it in 98. Exactly. Because it's like the end. <laughs> it's a mystery. When did this record yeah. come out? Yeah. These friends of In 1998, you guys had the amazing opportunity to tour with Real Big Fish. So how'd you guys get oh, on that tour? Real Big Fish, man. Um, listen, during, during this time, this climb to um, get out of obscurity or just to be known as a band, I was unable to play any of the Moon Records showcases for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And we were playing some underground spaces and we had a booking agency and I got a, I got, I don't even know what this booking agency is anymore. I don't know their name, but I gotta thank these guys for putting us on that show with No Big Fish. He said, yo, they're, they're a hot band. They're on MTV. Now, my man, I barely watch TV. <laughs> Forget about cable. I didn't know any of this MTV stuff, even though my best friend is like, was, was like the musical director up in MTV. Oh, yeah? Musical uh, uh, markets, marketing executive at MTV. Mm-hmm. I don't have TV to watch because it would distract me from what where my focus was at. So sure. all of that stuff what was going, I didn't know who they were, honestly. And he's like, "Yo, you should do this show." And I'm like, oh, "I don't, I don't, I don't do this show." To me, it was just another show. And we did the show, and the kids swarmed the stage. They they like swarmed us, you know. And it was like they wouldn't leave. It was just like tearing. I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, wow. And this is our early time starting playing music, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I didn't know if you guys would even like us and shit. 
and um, get off the stage. Real Big Fish played, and their booking agent came up to me and he goes, "I'm selling the merch, you know, cassettes." <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "Real Big Fish is gonna do the the Warp tour, and when they come off the tour, they want to take you on tour." I had okay. He said, "You got a CD?" I said, "No, but we will by that by that time," and that was it. Yeah, that was it. And they took us out. We was like the little brothers. Because they took us all over the country. I mean, yeah. if not for them, a lot of people probably wouldn't even know about us. Because, again, we didn't put ourselves in the stores. Right, yeah. So not for, if not for Real Big Fish, probably a lot of people wouldn't know about us. Yeah, that's how a lot of people I know found out about you guys. And I just loved that you went out and you won over all these crowds and, you know, built a name on that tour. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I appreciate them. I mean, the opportunity... Once it presented itself like that, there was nothing else we could do. They, they they've been they're doing it now with other bands like mm-hmm. um, Void Union. You can they can base their success on who they are and what they do, but they can also base their success on Real Big Fish taking them out and exposing them to the public. Mm-hmm. Real Big Fish does that for a lot of bands. Yeah, they do it for a lot of bands. So enough respect. I mean, if you got the power like that, if you ha- have the power like that, and you reach down. I mean, you're supposed to reach down, but not too many people do. Yeah. Well, you were saying earlier, you know, looking back and giving credit to those who came before. And there's also something to be said for paying it forward and giving opportunities to bands that... Exactly. I'm releasing my first. I'm releasing my first video April the first of a um, a single off of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, April the first, it'll be on all of the platforms. I guess. Everywhere, YouTube. I'm trying. I'm, I'm running back in the house now to try and program things and see if I can make it make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck, but man. It's been uh, a real joy talking to you. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on here and, and talking with me. Thank you for coming up with some really good questions because I didn't even know what was to expect here. But thank you. Yeah, I mean, that was great. Awesome. That was great. All, All right. right, cool. Thanks, Cooley. Peace. All right. Bye-bye. Peace. That's it for my chat with Cooley Ranks of Pilfers. I'll never forget seeing them for the first time and just being blown away by the sheer power of the band. I was pretty naive back then and assumed all albums could be bought in stores. But that night, everyone was talking about how you had to get the album because there was no telling when you might be able to get it again. I'm not sure if that was even accurate, but someone started that whisper around the venue and it worked. My friends and I all walked out with Pilfer CDs. All these years later, it's still one of my all-time favorite Sky albums. Make sure you check out new music by Cooley Ranks. I'd like to thank him for coming on the show and taking me through Pilfer's debut album. I'd like to send a big thank you to my man Craig for all the graphics and behind-the-scenes stuff. I'd like to send a big thank you to Krista Makes from Less Than Jake for the theme music. And of course, an extra big thank you, a huge thank you, if you will, to all of you. Thank you so much for tuning into Talking Records. It is so much fun to round up all this information about these albums and just try to put it in one place. You know, the one place you can go if you want to learn all these things about records you like or love. 
You can help us out by visiting our website, checking out opportunities to pick up t-shirts or what have you. Be sure to check us out on the socials. Say hello, suggest albums, tell us your stories of going to shows. What kind of bands did you discover by going to shows? All right, everybody. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye.